sums it all up. Arsenal, the cream of the crop. Welcome to the 75th edition of the Guna podcast. Recorded on the first Monday in June at the end of a season that saw Arsenal finish in fourth place in the Premier League. As usual, this podcast is sponsored by the website for all your unofficial Arsenal t-shirt needs. That is gunashirts.com without the singing voice this time. I'm your host, Joe Broadfoot, taking a turn at filling in for David Udo, who will hopefully resume these duties at the start of next season. This evening, we are reflecting on the season gone and looking ahead to what may or may not change by the time of the next podcast, possibly in August, will that be, Kev? Yep. And first up, he hosted last month's podcast, but now he's back on the more opinionated side of the table. He attended his first away game in living memory a couple of weeks back. To reflect on that and much more, it's the legend that is Mr. Don Sebastiano. Thank you, but that is all lies. All lies. Well, we'll come to that later. Next up, a man who should be enjoying a well-earned summer break, but he can't yet because he is in the process of revising and updating his co-written book on Arsene Wenger's transformation of our football team in Arsenal, the making of a modern super club, which should be out in August. More blatant plugs to follow then. It's Gunnar Editor, Mr. Kevin Witcher. I'm not sure if you can order it already, but uh, it will be available from Amazon and all other good uh, sources of books. And finally, an occasional and always welcome guest. She's here partly to give us some insight into the Black Scarf March and the Where Has Our Arsenal Gone protest group, even though her regular pew happens to be in club level. From GunnerTalk.com, it's a pleasure to say hello to Miss Lindsay Sheehan. Hello, Gunnar. Right, to start with, we will go back to the start of the season. And there was a widely held point of view at that time that Arsenal had a minimal chance of winning the Premier League. And we also thought we'd be competing for fourth place with Liverpool and Tottenham. So, tell me, somebody here... Why are we disappointed? Why are the fans generally disappointed with how the season has turned out? Um, who should we start with? Um, Kev? Yeah, well, no one wants to tackle this difficult subject. It did turn out how a lot of people expected at the start of a season. But the disappointment is obviously that uh, Arsenal got themselves into a fantastic position and then self-destructed. So... Ultimately, uh, if, if you said last August we hadn't signed anyone except a couple of centre-backs no one was sure about and a free transfer striker, um, they'd say, OK, well, you know, let's hope we can get in the Champions League. There was a lot of doubt at the start of the season we'd do that. Um, so, yeah, you'd accept it then, I guess, um, but very frustrating in the end because, in a sense the reason they got themselves into such a good position was because it was a poor season all round you know and, and there was a very good chance of overtaking the two teams who have won the league for the last few years because they were having pretty poor campaigns themselves so um, if there was a chance for Arsenal's project with young players to come good it was this season and I think it's just got too frustrating for people to see that the actual the team hasn't really developed. 
So, Lindsay, what was uh, your central frustration after this campaign? Was it was it the lack of transfer activity when we had a chance in January to to strengthen the squad and failed to do so, or was it was it just the fact that uh, the league was there to be taken? In as much as Chelsea and Manchester United weren't as strong as, as seasons gone by? Well, I think it's both. Um, I think this season we were so close you could always smell the silver polish. It was really within our grasp, as Kevin said. It's been a, a poor season all round, actually, by the Premier League. And this, more than any, was our chance to capitalise on the slip-ups and possibly the non-investments of the clubs that are usually above us. Um, the ability for us to self-destruct when it was in our own hands has also got to be the most frustrating part of it because it was down to us we sat here the last podcast I was on and we decided we were champions on our fixture list I need to find a slip in further and further and further down to just get in the fourth and, then, and if it had been a couple of more games of the season I don't think we'd have scraped that So Bestie what would you um, how would you pinpoint your frustrations Well last this time last year or just before the beginning of the season I, I said where, where, where Steve was getting a bit um, negative, and I said, well, we are improving year on year. You know, we were fourth, only just, you know, and then we were comfortably fourth, and then, you know, uh, moving on an upwardly mobile direction, at least, albeit in very tiny increments. And I, I, I predicted we'd come second last season, uh, and I said I'd be happy with that all season. Um, was that before the season kicked off? You yeah. were saying second. Yeah, wow. I, I always, I, I always think we were still. I think Project Wenger was moving upwards. However, I did think he would buy a couple of. Uh, that was with the proviso that he would buy one or two what I consider adults, experienced <laughs> uh, footballers. And the one thing we, we do miss in the team is that spine. That or as I, I watched on the Brian Clough film the other day that. Um, Peter uh, Taylor said, you know, the skewer, you know, you need someone, you need, you know, a Tony Adams and you need a, a Vieira and you need an Ian Wright or something, you know, a spine of the team, mm. uh, which we don't have. We are spineless. We, we lack testicles. Um, and, and that ultimately was our downfall because when it comes to squeaky bum time, that's when you need grown men who, say, who go, come on, right, we're going to push this through now. Not like, ooh, we lost to Birmingham, everything's fallen to pieces to Nielsen. You know, mm. you don't need people like that. Um, and, and I think ultimately that's our downfall. We don't have that, that spine, that, that, that um, yeah, that, a bit of uh, punch. And for that, you, you need grown-ups. But when we went to pieces at Birmingham, a lot of people blamed William Gallas. I know it wasn't last season, but... Yeah, but he's spineless. Look at him. But, but people, people <laughs> said good things about the way he played at Tottenham, not me particularly. But, yeah, but when push uh, comes to shove, it'll collapse. Mm. But he's an adult, that's what I'm No, I, I mean, to I, I, I'm going to defend Gallus here. Mm. I know he's not popular, but uh, the guy is a winner, and part of the reason that uh, he fell out with his teammates at Arsenal was because he wouldn't accept the standards that um, he was seeing, you know, and... and in the end, you had a situation where he was an isolated figure in, in the dressing room. Maybe Mikhail Silvestre was the only other guy who would talk to him. Um, I, I think we actually need more more of the Gallus types, although with the proviso that they're not quite as loopy because he was also a well, bit Well, that's nutty. the problem. You need mental strength. But no, it, you know, <laughs> he was also put him in a decent team and he will be part of a winning team. And he was very good at Chelsea because he was surrounded by players. Uh, with a winning mentality, who, who who didn't fold easily, you know, he is he was a warrior. It's interesting that last summer, 
um, Wenger did buy players in the positions for the spine of a team. He bought two centre-backs and he bought a centre-forward. Uh, but he just bought the wrong people. He um, said warrior. Is that warrior with an A or an O? <laughs> with an A. Oh, OK. Well, I don't know. Um, so, as opposed to a warrior. A warrior, someone who worries. No, yeah. no. Or, or someone who sits on the centre circle and cries. Well, I mean, that, that, you know, that whole thing, it was, it was obviously... I mean, it was, there was emotional stuff going on that day and it showed that mentally there is a certain level to the guy. He's a complete nutter, you know. Um, I mean, it was a lot to do with uh, Bakary, Sanya's brother and something that was supposed to happen at the beginning of the game in terms of a minute's silence or something, which oh, was God. supposed to be uh, also dedicated to Sanya's brother or some bollocks like that. But the lo- long and short of it is just put it out of your mind, play the game. Well, he's not Martin Keown or Tony Adams, He, he, he did crumble mentally there, and, and I think that was obviously you know where we found out that he's not the player we, we hoped he was because mm. initially that season he'd been uh, immense. Uh, he'd been given the captaincy and, and the team were winning a lot of matches and were six points clear in, in, the, in the, the league. Um, I would say one thing to the original question. There's had the Verminator yeah. been mm. available all season. Mm. You know, I think we would have probably... We, we may not have won the league, but we certainly wouldn't have had that that slip that we had at the end uh, where mm. everything just collapsed because I think he is uh, he's got that he's got that Tony Adams in him uh, last minute save off the line he did at Fulham recently was just you know that that's the sort of thing we've been missing that kind of gung-ho like never say die in the trenches attitude that's the bit that's missing you want you want some people who you want in you know put it in kind of first world war terms in the trenches with you mm. and uh, we don't have those sort of personalities in the side but it has been pointed out that in the season just gone by, we didn't have as many injury problems as what we've had in past seasons. So, no, we can't we, use that as an excuse. Yeah. Um, I mean, the interesting thing about Vermaelen is, I don't know how much he was around training at all because of his injury, but I remember in the 2001-2 season, Tony Adams played 10 Premier League matches out of 38 um, but the fact that he was actually there made a hell of a difference. And uh, yeah, but who did he? What was the rest of the defence? Well, I mean, this is obviously yeah. we're not as strong. I mean, it was Campbell and Keogh who played most of the games. Yeah, it's not like Clichy, who, let's face it, has been slipping over like a you know a, a goose on ice uh, <laughs> some of the time, isn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about the amount of influence Marlin may have been able to have if he was genuinely around. And I suspect most of the time he, his foot was in plaster and he wasn't even at the training ground so uh, I mean you know we are lacking leaders and uh, characters of the right type mm. I think even the, the only character we've got is a bouet <laughs> <laughs> this, this is where we are now yeah. Yeah. this is yeah. why people and are unhappy cult clown. and of course a lot of us thought that Jens Lehmann arriving at the club would give us a boost just at the right time Lindsay I mean did you feel that at the time yeah I definitely did I thought that the first story I heard about him was the Bentner take your hat off story which I thought mm. was exactly what we needed maybe because I don't know he wasn't going to play so much maybe his influence was slightly limited but yeah I thought he was exactly what we needed somebody in there to shake it up and remind them who they were playing for and what it was all about yeah, and what is Arsenal about? That's what a lot of fans were asking before the Villa game because there was a march of a few hundred people called the Black Scarf March 
organised by a largely anonymous organisation called Where Has Our Arsenal Gone? Well, Lindsay, you had uh, some contact with them. Can you give us the details about exactly how the march went and uh, what what's the ideas behind it? Well, firstly, I just want to say that I don't particularly belong to any group or ethos. I support Arsenal Football Club. I don't support the manager. I don't support the current players. I will support that club from the day I started going until the day I die. So this is from an outsider's perspective. Um, I went down to meet them all. We filmed with Gunner Talk to see what they were saying because quite a lot of the stuff that I'd read before on the forums and on the internet, uh, Twitter and Facebook, was quite actually quite frightening. It seemed like it was going to be a bit of a kick-off with the um, anti-Venga movement hijacking the march and potentially those who wanted that to be silenced go in and have an, you know, a bit of a discussion, shall we say. So I went down and... What I found was, goodness, there's no um, sort of dark side, there's no sort of, there's no shrouded in, a, in any kind of mystery. They are football fans that have been going to Arsenal for a very long time, that feel that their relationship with the club, due to partially the modern day era of money and due to decisions that the club has been made recently, has been seriously eroded. They have... Um, most of them didn't actually even mention the manager, I must say mm. that. There wasn't really much, wasn't, there was no real debate about Wenger. There wasn't really much debate about the current team, what it, which is completely <laughs> ironic considering you know, where we've found ourselves at the end of this season. But what they felt was that there was, for example, one gentleman I spoke to, his son was the first ever junior gunner. Now, mm. his son's now priced out of going to football, mm. which is, in any stretch of the imagination, very sad that you were the first junior gunner and you cannot now afford to go to football. They were... Um, people there who've been going for 20, 30 years, the recession's hit, they can't afford their season ticket, they can't afford the massive increase, and the club don't seem to be flexible to them on a one-to-one basis, um, despite the fact of all the years of loyal support and money that they've put into the club. They also have other ideas um, to help with what I suppose we all call the arsenalisation of the stadium. For example, uh, moving the away fans up a tip to have the mm. clock end back for clock enders to sort of maybe look at the season ticket allocation situation again so that people actually know what they're going to get. So in the clock ends and what you call now the North Bank, you will get the old school, so the ones that want to sing, the ones that want to you know, make a bit of noise, jostle about, have a bit of banter. Um, whereas at the moment it's a bit of a mix. So you might have an older person or you might have some, you know, somebody who doesn't like all of that. They can then know what areas are going to be for them. They want, they want it looked at again. Mm. And I have to say, I had a really lovely day. It was it was like meeting an old friend again, and that friend was Arsenal. You know what it used to be like when we used mm. to go, not what it's kind of turned into now. Yeah, I was there that day as well, as you know, and uh, <laughs> it was it was interesting to say the least. You know, some of the some of the characters that came by, and um, you know, and it did seem to be not a get rid of Arsene Wenger situation at all. It was. Although, one thing I wanted to ask you about is the police presence. I mean, did you feel... I mean, the police handled it all right because there was no aggro whatsoever. But, I mean, did you feel that they thought they thought there was going to be trouble? Yeah, I thought there was going to be trouble. Mm. I've got to be honest. Because you read and you get sucked into some of the stuff that you see on, on forums and internet and Arsenal blogs. And a lot of these people are sitting behind a computer up in, you know, wherever, and they've not been to a game, you know. Mm. So they can be as brave as they like and say things as they like. But what they were was genuine, honest schooners. You know, there was a lot of big necks there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I wouldn't have started a ruck in the middle of any of yes. them. But, 
you know, they were nice guys. They were people yeah. who generally feel they support they support the work of the AST and they, you know, truly believe in the, the great work that they do. But they wanted something more visual, and I felt a little bit sad for them that it that this mysterious sort of image of people not knowing who they are and it being anonymous had had kind of hijacked their their. Mm their ideas it's a it's a young idea as well they've only really been going and putting it into sort of words for i would say about a year from what from talking to them all but they're dedicatedly passionate about arsenal and how can you not respect that and just one final question before i move on to basti and ask him about fulham um i was going to ask you about the black scarves how many people actually wore black scarves because i didn't see many oh there was a, there was a lot of people that had you know that they weren't wearing the colours, but you know you can you can link that to whatever you want to link that to. Actually. Well, I was thinking <laughs> black scarf, you know, Fulham, white and black. But there you go. No, that was no, the tenuous no, link. No, that no, that please, was a Joe. tenuous it's link. About time you retired. Though. Right. Okay. Well, well you, moving you're swiftly the one who on then. me from the job this week. See, now you're thinking again, Ken. <laughs> well, Bestie, you went to Fulham away, and they wear yeah. black scarves mixed with white. Well, what was the atmosphere like in the away end? Because you're not oh, really brilliant. used to doing that. Was and was great. there any sign of these uh, protests oh, going not on. just signs it was you know spend some fucking money I mean that was it was great because uh, not not because of that but there was a real uh, the irony was back the old the tongue-in-cheek little jibes little that Chamak fellow I mean yeah. oh, Chamak was running at goal and he was through and uh, he just collapsed like Bambi I mean mm. he, his little legs just went like a little little newborn horse and uh, and everyone just sort of went oh dear you know this was I, I mean no just I know some people like Chamak and they'll all be booing me for saying it but I, I really don't think he's the he's the deal he's not Ian Wright he's not uh, so, certainly not Thierry Henry mm. not um, the moment he's, he's not mm. John Radford he's not Charlie mm. George he's not and I, can't, I just can't see him actually could, please God I'm proved wrong mm. um, and you know people say oh well Dennis Bergkamp and uh, Henri, you know, they didn't have a good first few months or whatever, but I just can't see Chamak coming good as, as the, you know, the killer. But he started goal. off so well, right, with a goal, well, well, sort of deflected goal at Liverpool, first game of the season. Well, Did, back did the you have high, you know, high expectations well, of him? Well, you would do for every new player yeah. that comes. You hope they're mm. going to, you know, score goals if they're up in that position. But, but that aside, the, the atmosphere, back to your original question, the atmosphere mm. was... It was fantastic. <laughs> it was brilliant. We were, yeah. we were all just chanting Arsenal ladies songs and, yeah, and doing things like when every time we ballsed up. And there was a, mm. a point where you know they scored first and everyone was going, you know, let's pretend we scored a goal. And everyone was going, yeah. hey! No one gave a shit, so it was yeah. all right. It was like, well, the season's over anyway. Yeah. We're, we're kind of so in a way, it allowed everyone just to have a really good time. Mm. And um, what was nice was not only were we loud and very vocal, um, but there's something about going to a little old stadium like that. Hmm. that it just brings back it just reminded me of the Highbury times you know um, and uh, and it just it, there's an intimacy and a kind of it's a laugh again you know yeah. it's not a big corporate kind of, there's something about you know the e-word stadium that is just it's too you know I know they've arsenalised it and I, I, it is it's wonderful it's a wonderful hmm. stadium and everyone sings about how great it is but the atmosphere that we still haven't got a crowd thing going and you know as Lindsay was saying you know, they need to get organised with that so that you've got mm. a North Bank and a clock end. And they've done that. Mm. But to actually get the seating right so that you've got mm. people who want to get vocal together. Because yeah, sure. otherwise that is not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, cut a long story short. Uh, yeah, I'll go to Fulham every season now. I'm, I've <laughs> decided I'm only going to go to away games <laughs> next season. Look, I think if I can, if I can get tickets, I think I'll do that because, you know what, it's that or Barnet. 
if I want what I, what I joined when I was a kid, which was Arsenal. And that was the atmosphere, and that's what I want when I go to football match I want a, mm. I want to have a laugh I want to go and get into it I want to call the referee names I want to have a laugh hear some funny you know I laughed more times I know we weren't I, I you know we weren't great on the pitch we were dreadful but it didn't a lot mm. of the time but it didn't matter because it was old Arsenal again it felt like that and that was that was good well that's good to hear let's hope this email that uh, Kev's going to read out is good to hear as well it's from one of our listeners and a sometime Guna contributor Jeremy Cunnington so Kevin if you will. Alrighty-o. Um, this is... Um, thank you, Basti. This is uh, from Jeremy. I've just listened to the April podcasts. These are, these are ones where we had Amy Lawrence and Philippe Beauclair. And uh, while there are many interesting and good points, uh, I got annoyed by comments made by Philippe Beauclair about how it is all glory-seeking fans who are the ones who have been demanding for Wenger to go. This is nouveau glory-seeking fans. Didn't read that properly. Um, while there are no doubt some of those, I have to say that those comments are a gross generalisation by Mr. Auclair. I and a number of long-term fans, such as the Highbury Spy, just believe that Wenger's time has passed. I've been wanting him to leave for the past year and a half, not that I hanker to win trophies every year, I just want to see progress. And this team has made no or minimal progress since 2008. Deficiencies in certain players have been apparent for too long. As you made the point with Almunia, you do not need three years to see that Diaby, lazy, no footballing brain, and yeah, Danielson yeah. are not good enough for a team challenging for the title. Nor is Song a proper defensive midfielder in the mould of Petit, Gilberto or even Flamini. One can see quite early on, certainly within a season, whether a player has it or not. Wenger's been so stubborn in his project uh, that he seems to have said with Danielson and Song, these players are not good enough as attackers in this team, so let's try them out as defensive midfielders. Song can do a job there while Danielson is hopeless. Why not just buy a proper one? In addition, this project was always like to fail... Can you name a young team to be developed organically into winners? All the so-called young teams had a core of mature professionals such as Man United and Ajax in the 90s. And all Wenger's winning teams have a core of experienced winners. In addition, this method has brought a strong element of arrogance and complacency in the squad with little competition for places, which is common throughout Wenger's reign, but at least previously he had players who had the right attitude to overcome it. Players are under little pressure to perform, but perform better as they know they will not be dropped. This combined with Wenger telling them how wonderful they are and giving them premiership winners' salaries before winning anything has led to this culture. All this is apparent in the same mistakes being repeated season after season, notably losing or drawing games from winning positions and also not turning up with the right attitude against so-called inferior opposition. I can forgive them for doing it against Hull a couple of seasons ago because they were learning but I do not expect it to happen five or six times this season, two years later. Um, I, like, I, like those on the podcast, would hate to see Benga leave under a cloud, and I would love him to change to his pre-2004 days of augmenting an experienced squad with one or two proven players each season. I just do not think he can, and I've not for around 18 months now. He's tactically weak, with persistence, with mono-dimensional attacking style, with any width reliant on two full-backs who cannot cross. As Chelsea, followed by Burnley, showed last season, just flood the midfield and that is 80% of Arsenal's attacking threat gone. 
now every team has worked it out and is part of the reason we are struggling. Well, thanks for that, Kev. Uh, a few discussion points were raised there. Uh, to start with, flooding the midfield as a tactic to stop Arsenal. Has everyone caught on? Is that what all, well, most opposition sides are going to do to us? Uh, what do you think, Basti, in, well, in the future? Was, that was bang on, that email. Yeah. I mean, he just uh, said everything I think any <laughs> Arsenal fan who's been watching Arsenal the last few seasons is thinking. Um, yeah, um, to be honest with you, 10 out of 10, really. Um, mm. Just uh, cannot disagree with him, and you, uh, I'm, I'm lost for words because he said it all. Mm. Well, I think I think the truth of the, the, the bit about flooding midfield was shown at the FA Cup game at Man United. Yeah. And basically, you just put a load of defenders in there, and it does, does the job. You, you, you stop Arsenal, and all you need to do is just score one against Arsenal's questionable defence. So it's actually quite an effective tactic, and more and more teams do seem to be. Using it. Oh yeah, oh, no, they're caught onto it. Mm. I mean, that's you know, and there, there is no plan B. That's the problem. You know, it's trying to wriggle through. Um, you know, a la how Barca do it. Mm. The difference is with Barca, of course. You know, they've got Xabi and Messi, mm. and they've got the personnel who can do it with the experience to do it. And mm. you know, yes, we did beat Barca this season. Let, let's you know, cheer ourselves up with that because that that was our final. That's what it felt like that night. You know, that was the big day out. So, uh, but unfortunately, we don't seem to be able to emulate what they do in the same way. Um, Lindsay, do you think um, Arsene Wenger remains flexible in that he could return to a four-four-two and, and maybe get round flooded midfields that way? By would it, would he consider changing the way he's been thinking of late? Do you think he's of that type? Well, that's going to be the most interesting and either potentially unitive or divisive question this summer, isn't it? If he doesn't mm. change a few things mm. everything mentioned in that email basically and what you guys said on the last three podcasts um, I think there'll be more and more people who think his time is up will he do it and a lot of it is all about this project youth and, and Kev I'm sure you want to make a comment on that about Arsene will he actually abandon project youth as, as some people are billing it because you know it's frustrating an awful lot of fans the fact that he continues to, to have he, he seems to take, take a great pride in having one of the youngest sides in in the uh, top flight, but mm. this youngest side gets forever younger and gets forever further from winning winning the league. That's how it feels. Yeah, forever young by Bob Dylan. What a great track that was. Um, I don't want to think about <laughs> football for a moment. Um, I think he actually said himself that inexperience was a problem at the end of the season. Uh, he will continue to buy. Prospects, I'm sure of that, but I, I think this summer he will he will buy older players as well. He's got to. So I I, I think he will partially abandon it, but not totally. There was talk that we were going to buy a player from Cholton just for compensation. I think it's Carl Jenkinson. Yes. And whether that deal's gone through or not, I'm not altogether sure. But it's been said that it had gone through. I think it was on the international website the Finland international <laughs> website love your sources yeah. Yeah. Scraping, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I do scrape I do scrape how old around. is this this young player about 19 right so, so just Arsene compensation only will continue to yeah, to, to buy do prospects mm. however what he needs to do is buy a left back who's 27 mm. to fill yeah. the gap until this pup is 25 or whatever mm. you know um 
I think it needs a couple of more 27-year-olds yeah. in the side. Just look, It's fine having youth, but you've got to have some, someone alongside them. You know, when we, when we lost... Ke- I mean, I think Keogh was the last of the kind of back four brigade to go, wasn't he? Um, and that, that was a kind of key moment there, I think. I think you need a Keogh and you need a Bergkamp and you need a, you know, a, a, a Vieira. And with, with two or three or four, preferably, of those players in the side the youngsters will play up to that. If it's just youngsters, and Danielson said it in that, you know, he looked around and saw that the season was over in everyone's eyes. Yeah, that's the sort of defeatist, childish, pathetic mm. talk that is not going to win you anything. Sure, you lost the... We, lo- we lose the uh, cup final to... Uh, the cup final, the league cup final to Birmingham. Mm. Freak accident, you know, horrible. You know, don't even want to go there. But you've got to pick yourself up. And that's what you mm. do. You pick yourself up and you go and win something else. And we just couldn't do it. And, and I, you just wonder, from a development perspective, if it's in Lugosi's head, it's all about development. What what do they actually learn, these pups, to use your word, from getting their noses rubbed in their own shit every season? Yeah. <laughs> you know, really, what... The sweet what smell you, of failure. That, that's On really very high it? wages. But, but how do you develop when you're constantly... Your worst fears come true every season, so that... There obviously are the exceptions. You have to look at our goalkeeper and you have to look at Jack. There are some youth in there that have got the bollocks and have got the fight and have got the desire. Let's not write them off. Mm. But, you know, we, sorry, am I really good? <laughs> 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 but but it, I don't know where they learn if they continually fall. And you've got to give them the tools for that failure not to happen or to push them past the post because otherwise these kids will never mature. Well, I know you want to read an email out, but I think you're going to have to wait for the next podcast, Bastie, because we're running out of time here. And so we're going to take a short break and, you know, in breaks that people can sort of um, think and contemplate and and become better for next season. So that'd be good for the Arsenal squad as well. But we're taking a short break before continuing, continuing even with our next podcast. But as always... Just to mention that if you want to email us about anything at all related to the podcast, the address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Before we go, I am aware that the editor has something to plug on behalf of the fanzine. Over to you, Kev. Yes, I have been asked to mention that the uh, end-of-season Guna survey, I think, has about a week to run. Um, some people can pull out the centre pages of their last issue, but I suspect more will put it in online, which you can do through the online Guna website. Um, and uh, from memory, once you start, you've got to finish. So make sure you've got half an hour or 20 minutes to actually get through the thing. Um, it's generally kind of multiple choice kind of thing. Uh, you just tick a box, uh, or if you've got an alternative, then you just write it in. But um, fairly painless and we've had 2,000 entries so far the uh, publisher of the Guna Mr Mike Francis has said he wants 3,000 this year so if you haven't voted yet make him a happy man <laughs> and that leaves me to say thanks once again to our sponsors GunaShirts.com and it's just time for our panel to bid farewell the Don is he going to speak? you say goodbye or something? No, all right. No, all right, right bye. Thanks, thanks, the Don. I'm not the Don. You are the Don. It says so in my script. So right. just, just be aware of that for the next just time. Just so that listeners know, I didn't call myself that. <laughs> you the did, Basti. Yeah, but that was, when, that was when I was a retard about five years ago. <laughs> all right, we've gone back to those <laughs> retard years. I hadn't realised there'd been any change. <laughs> <laughs> and Kev? Uh, fare thee well. And Lindsay? Bye-bye. 
We'll be back with another edition of the podcast very soon. I'm your host, Joe Brawford. Thanks for listening. la di da di da la di da di di All good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!